sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. I would like to welcome Speech Pathology Australia members to our podcast um, with Anna Panuzzo from Workplace Plus um, about returning to work as restrictions around COVID-19 um, are easing. Um, before we start, um, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners um, and custodians on the land on which um, both Anna and I are presenting and, and all our listeners are listening today. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. So let's get started. Firstly, with the easing of restrictions, members, um, speech pathologists who own a business are going to want to open up to more face-to-face -face sessions for their businesses. Um, and members who are employees are going to find themselves in the position of being asked to carry out more face-to-face -face work in a range of settings, including schools, private practice clinics, residential and aged care facilities, um, and people's homes. So um, before we hear from Anna, I just want to like to remind members that the association has a document on the website that provides um, some guidance for service delivery, for clinical procedures and infection control. And um, the document is currently being revised to provide more support to members in the response to the easing of the restrictions and the changes in all our workplaces. Uh, the document has a risk assessment framework to, to guide decision making about service delivery. So that might be a good one to dip into as well. So I'd like to thank Anna Panuzzo today um, for being part of the podcast. Anna is the director at Workplace Plus. Um, and I'm really keen to listen to Anna's advice for employers and employees alike as we negotiate our return to work. So Anna, um, first of all, can you talk us through some of the key policies and procedures that should be in place to ensure employees are safe and that employers meet their obligations in regards to safety and wellbeing of their staff at, at this time? Thanks, Nicola, for the opportunity to chat and talk about this. Yes. Um, I've, I've identified the policies and procedures in six main areas. Mm -hmm. One is um, workplace health and safety. The other one is anti-discrimination, privacy, leave, complaints and grievances, and performance management. So within those, I think the practices should consider very much so the work and health and safety um, policies and procedures. And in that, I would include... COVID-19 and a pandemic policy, which talks about preventing and responding to any outbreak, including infectious control and the risk assessment. So that's a key one that I would recommend that you need to revisit and have, um, particularly when you're reopening. Things that in that would include how you're going to communicate to staff about reopening and when they will be coming back. What are the things that you're going to do to elude their fears uh, of what how are they going to be managed in terms of their safety? How are you going to deal with social distancing in the office? How are you going to do, deal with any protective clothing that you might be providing them to utilise and use? Whether you will have hand sanitizers, 
and whether there'll be any staff required to have testing and whether there's a discussion and communication about the COVID-19 app and how employers are encouraging that app or not. Mm -hmm. so, so from my perspective, that workplace health and safety policy is one that you need to be revisiting and assessing um, for your practice. So that's the key one, besides the others, obviously, but that's the key one that incorporates um, what you're preparing for staff to do. And, and Anna, um, th that information would be provided by employers, so I presume that employees can ask their employers for those kind of, that kind of information if it's not readily, readily accessible? One of the things that I would do if I was returning staff back into the workplace is to have a communication strategy about talking to staff that this is what you're embarking on and what the date will be and, and talk to each individual about their issues because there are some individuals will take public transport. There'll be concern there. There'll be concerns about coming on site, having face-to-face, -face, and that's why it's important to have those initial discussions with them. So your policy and procedure needs to talk about how you're going to communicate and encourage staff to return what happens when you don't, when you have a concern about working face-to-face -face and what are the opportunities for employers to consider? And we did do an article for Speak Out that really talked a lot about that. So I would encourage mm -hmm. members to read that. If any queries, have a read of that. So then the other thing is the staff should be encouraged, the employee should be encouraged to ask, so what happens if I come on deck and there's an outbreak? So you do need to have a policy, which is what I called the COVID-19 or pandemic policy. What happens when you have an outbreak? What will you do in terms of testing? What will you do in terms of closure? What will you do in terms of cleaning? What will you do in terms of um, any further reassessments, risk assessments? The other thing that you may need to consider when you're having your one-on-one -on -one discussions about bringing staff back is whether there are any special needs of an employee who may be returning who's over 60 or even 70 um, and has some prior medical conditions. This is currently being talked about a lot where people need to maybe expose and identify what's concerning for them and how the employer manages that. So it's really important to have a good communication strategy and review your work health and safety policy, which includes the COVID-19 and the pandemic. Thanks, thanks, Anna. That probably ties quite nicely in with, the, with another question that I had for you. I know that um, some of our members will be really embracing returning face-to-face -face work, whereas other members will be approaching this um, easing of restrictions with a great deal of caution, um, which may be impacted by their personal health or their circumstances or with the client groups with whom they're working. What can employees? So sorry. What can employers direct employees to do, in terms of actually returning to work, and and how can they manage that process? Um, again, I think it's about being fair and compassionate because this is a very challenging time, and um, we're in waters that it's really unprecedented. Mm -hmm. But what you could encourage is by alleviating the concerns about how you're going to manage things in the organisation, the social distancing the health and hygiene, what things you've put in place to ensure that you, you mitigate your risks of an employee um, being infected by COVID-19. You then, an employer, would have that discussion and encourage how is the best to bring them back to work. If that doesn't work, then there is an opportunity for you to provide a 
some form of directions letter to direct the staff member to attend. But prior to doing that, I think you need to be fair and compassion, mm. have an understanding of what's occurring for them. They may need access to um, talk to someone external to debrief their anxieties and concerns. Um, so there's, there's a number of things that the employer needs to do. But, the, but also the employer can request that they do attend work and if it needs to be formalised, they, they can do so. But at this point, I would be try and be as fair and compassionate as possible. I, I think that's yeah, fantastic advice um, for, for everybody to, to be following in the, this time. I know that, that some of our members um, will find themselves potentially working in, in a, a number of workplaces. They might work across two clinics or across an education setting um, and a clinic setting, or um, they might be going into um, you know, people's homes so, or, um, or a number of residential and aged care facilities. So do you have some advice about for those speech pathologists who are finding themselves in this situation? I think as an employee or as an employer, you need to do the same thing to your to wherever your staff are, um, are going into and do a risk assessment of the site you're about to go into and make sure that those things we've talked about today are in place for you mm-hmm. um, and that you tick them off by indicating that is there a policy, what are you doing for um, health and safety, for your social distancing, um, for protective clothing, the hand sanitizers. what happens if there's an outbreak, how do we communicate, what do we do, will there be an opportunity for testing, all those things need to be done for all employers and um, for uh, going within someone's someone's home. Hmm. All right, that's good to know because I think that will certainly apply to, to quite a number of people. So what are the risks if this um, return to work is not well managed um, or that there's, there aren't great discussions between employees and employers? Um, the, the risk is that, yes, an employer may require to provide what we call a directions letter in terms of requesting individuals to come back to work. Um, and the risks are, as usual, you follow your policies and procedures and the award and the Fair Work Act, which is that people could ultimately um, be displaced um, with their employment. Uh, It could cause a problem in terms of the service for the client. So I think that's what's really important is understanding the employee's concerns, alleviating those concerns by going through the, the, the requirements we've talked about earlier and by minimising the issue because everyone is walking going through this together and being able to say, okay, let me understand what's happening, let's work through this. And sometimes the employer may say, well, the employee may say, look, I just can't do this anymore. Can I, can I take a period of leave to see if I can put some things in place and then make an, a period of adjustment? Because it's a gradual return, I think. But if that's not going to work, then maybe some different discussions need to occur about whether this long term is the right um, arrangement or not. But again, I take it very much having the conversation about what's working, what's not, how can I assist, what are the assessments we need to do to make sure we both are clear about what we're doing and then um, implementing those. And if that doesn't work and unpaid leave or leave policy isn't possible or taking some extra leave, Accessing to an employee assistance service where someone can work through some of their, their anxieties or concerns 
or at the end, if that's not going to work, then the, the discussion about well, whether the employment arrangement needs to be reconsidered, which is the, not where I'd want people to go no. at this time. Yeah. But that um, is an option. I think it's a really good reminder that that we are all in this together and that, that we don't really know what's going to happen over the coming weeks, whether we're going to face a second wave or whether we are going to be, you know, returning to work in a regularly, you know, in, in fairly soon back to relatively normal um, workplace. So I think you're right, that communication and, and understanding is, is really key while we all sort of work through this together. The, the um, other people that we need to consider in this relationship are our clients as well. So do you have any tips or information that, um, that um, our members could be sharing with clients as our work practices change? I, th- I think one of the things for the clients is, again, provide them communication and surety about how you're providing their safety. So what are you doing to have them come into the clinic what are you doing in terms of the social distancing? Again, having access to hand sanitise, having areas marked that where people sit or stand and also making sure that when people are attending for, t- uh, for an appointment that they're separated and they're not all back to back. So again, it's communicating to them the same thing that you're really trying to communicate to the staff, that you're trying to reassure them that you've made all appropriate assessments. Um, and is there any information that we can collect from clients or ask clients about before they come into the session? I think you probably could, like if there's any particular issues or medical conditions you need to be concerned about and whether it is important, whether face-to-face contact is the best or whether a, um, a telehealth check is still appropriate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can find that information. The other thing that I think you need to do as part of your COVID-19 policy is have a a visitor's book so and a log book so people know who's coming in and out. So if in case you do have a breakout, that you can give your contacts and the people you've come into contact with the authorities if they do ask you. So that's really important. I think what's been encouraged as the um, restrictions are being eased, that we keep some kind of list of who we're seeing, who we're being interacting with. So as a clinic, that's what I would recommend, that you get them to sign um, that they that you know who's coming in and any medical information they can give you would be good. Yeah, that's that's great advice because I know the government is encouraging us all to download the COVID app, but we clearly it's not mandated and we can't um, we can't make our um, anybody download that. So I think having a, a book and keeping those kind of um, pieces of information are really really valuable. That's a great idea. I think the COVID app. I think we all should be encouraging as part of your COVID-19 policy is encouraging staff to, as what the government's saying, it's not mandatory or compulsory, but we encourage it. And the other thing, you could have a sign out on your doors or in your clinic, have you downloaded the app? Because that that helps you too and you can gather that information from your clients too. But having a list and your, um, your client list will help you, but having a list of who else comes in with them, you know, whether it's a child or uh, another additional grown-up um, or someone who's coming with them, that they, you've got that list for you if you need to as, as a provider. Yeah, 
great. No, thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the resources I know that's just been released this week is from Safe Work Australia. I don't know. I We can certainly tell members um, and, and put some information about how to access that website, but I wasn't sure if there was anything you wanted to particularly guide members to have a look at on that website. Um, probably in terms of um, what they're doing, all the resources for COVID-19. There's a really yeah. good general handout for that, and it's also got information for businesses reopening um, and the things they consider. I would look at that. Mm-hmm. And that's just this uh, Safe Victoria app. Um, and I, we can send that information to them if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. also we've got some checklists that we've provided um, that we've developed for the employees and employees that we think that you need to be considering and looking through and we'll make those resources available. We've made them available to SPA. So if they're made available to them, they can uh, you can ask for them um, individually if you like. Definitely. Look, we'll, we'll make sure um, there's links to both those resources onto the um, Speech Pathology Australia website as well um, that people can access because I know that the Safe Work website has lots of information about different workplaces as well around hygiene and cleaning and social distancing all the things that you've talked about being so important today um, and, and there's and there's lots of opportunities to download posters to put them all right, around yeah. your clinic yeah. uh, so everyone knows all about the hand washing I mean I know um, that you know that lots of people have now around uh, before they enter a a health services to it says have you washed your hands before you've come in mm-hmm. so that's something you can encourage them yeah, fantastic that's great well i'd like to thank you anna there's lots of clear advice i know um our members are getting lots and lots of information at the moment but i think hopefully some of that will be very very helpful for them um, as they're getting back into the workplace um, and just a reminder that our members can contact Anna and um, members of her team from Workplace Plus if they've got particular advice um, around these HR issues and she's happy to support our members to do that. So thank you, Anna, for your time today and um, I look forward to talking another time. Thank you. Thanks, Nicola. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.